All right, welcome to another episode of Charles Weekly Party. I believe this one's 2109. So, before we get started, let's roll the intro. All right. So, first and foremost, this is going to be a slightly different episode. So, I'm going to go ahead and call it a sort of special episode because it's definitely a little bit different. So, over the course of my podcast, I've talked about each, in each episode, I've talked about architecture and technology. So, I start off with a piece of architecture. And then I finish off with a piece uh, with uh, technology uh, bits and pieces. So sometimes there's one thing I talk about wide in technology, and other times there are three things. However, this week's going to be a little bit different because today I'm going over Apple's um, recent spring-loaded event. So what that means is I'm going to be devoting the time in this episode to recapping what happened during the event. And I'll also be going and talking about my feelings about some of the stuff that they have announced. So, to start with, they opened up the show talking about their podcasts application. Now, what they've said is that they're going to have, um, for each, um, for podcasts, you can have ex sort of exclusive content available to people who would like to pay and support your podcast. And I find that to be a very sort of interesting uh, concept. So obviously for some creators, this is going to be a good route for them. And for others like myself, right now this isn't a um, route I'm going to be going down. So what they didn't say is that, um, do, I did a little bit of research into it. Apple is going to charge, I believe 20 bucks, either, I believe it was a year, but could be monthly. So don't necessarily quote me on that, but I remember it was 19.99 that they wanted to charge. And then of whatever fee that gets placed, Apple, I believe, gets 30% the first year and 15% in subsequent years. So my problems are, so my problems are as follows. So looking at it, I'd have for being a podcast creator, I would have to either create so, or create some exclusive content for um, people who wanted to pay for that, or I'd and I'd have to go and spend um, or spend money to be able to receipt to create the bonus content and possibly have uh, some of the listeners sign up. For some or for larger podcast creators, 
that can be that could be a very useful option and but then you also have the 30% take so I believe Spotify is actually trying to um, throw one at Apple by actually what's the word for it offering it for no cut or no cut taken from the content creator so right now I'm going to stay where I'm at with the podcast so maybe in the future that could that could change but right now I'm, I'm happy where I'm at and if you decide you do want to support the podcast there's a way to do that straight from the anchor.fm slash Charles Weekly Partee page. So moving on, the Purple Podcasts app would look really nice on, I don't know, maybe a purple iPhone. That's right. Um, Apple decided that bringing in some purple would be nice for the iPhone. So looking at it, I think it it has its charms, although I think it's a little bit too much of a lavender for my personal taste. But that that's just that's just me. So for some people the purple iPhone is going to be an absolute um wonder and they're going to go for it. Now personally could I see myself with, if I had to choose a color, um, personally I'd go, I'd lean more towards the uh, red, red or blue. They, they seem to be a little bit more flavorful for me. But can't, compl- uh, purple, I guess it's a combination of the two, so could I rock it? Possibly. But hopefully for the people who do enjoy it, there will be um, there, there will be a incentive to switch to purple. Now, losing phones is common, as is losing keys or wallets. Or and when I say losing, I mean I'm generally speaking around um, the house or the apartment or the dorm or wherever you happen to be stationed. Losing phone or keys always happens at the worst time. Keys can be especially troublesome because, well, let's put it this way, when you lose the darn things, um, you, you have to try and find them, and always happens. The only time you really end up realizing it is right when you need them the most. So when you're running late for a meeting, going out the door, you can't find your keys. So now you can play a little game of tag with the uh, keys or your wallet by putting an AirTag in it. So Apple has announced the long-awaited AirTags, which will work natively with the Find My application so that you can attach an air tag to whatever you desire and you can use that to figure out where it is. Plus, if you happen to have an iPhone 12 or maybe a purple iPhone 12, you can take the you can utilize the U1 chip in it to go and get 
precise directions once you're within a certain range of the um, air tag to actually to find it. So it can say, move this way, go a little bit more to your left, and it'll be about five feet away from you. But that feature drew a little bit of controversy, or at least outcry from Tile. So before the AirTag um, was, was there, you had tiles. So you could put those in your wallet, attach it to your keychain, and life's just peachy. But Tile is ever so slightly ticked that Apple has made the use of the U1 chip that allows for that precise direction only to the AirTags. So, Tile is really not thrilled because in their eyes, it is an anti-competitive um, move. And to some degree, I do have to agree with them because Apple is saying, okay, we have this chip that people paid for, but we're only allowing our products to use it. So, I do think that um, the use of the U1 chip should be made available to um, companies like Tile to be able to uh, work with the tags just fine. I'm sure there are a couple of reasons why it would be a good idea for them not to share that um, sort of pathfinding chip, but we'll have to see how it ends up going. So. The AirTag is one of the one of the few. Um, I'd say right now it is the only Apple product that has a user replaceable battery. So the battery lasts for around a year, and then after a year, you can replace the battery. And I think they said that there is a way of telling that the battery is running low to make sure that you are that you have time to change the battery before the battery dies and you lose it. And I, I've been there before. You have little key finders attached to um, different sets of keys. Works just fine. Batteries die. All of a sudden, you can't find your keys. You can press the button, but nothing happens. So, it would be interesting. The, the only sort of issue I could possibly see happening with um, AirTags is if you, have, if you attach them to enough things, it can give, it, in the Find My app, you could have a lot of different little things to look for so that when you do need to find one thing, you have to go through a list to find the one thing that you're looking for to then go and ping that. Nonetheless, they, they have their ups and they have their downs, and they also have a cute little um, detection feature to make sure that they're not used as little mini tracking devices. So the way that works is if you have, and let's say you have the iPhone, you have your AirTags, uh, you have an AirTag in your wallet or your handbag, and you have an AirTag on a suitcase. 
if you go, let's say you have an extra AirTag in your pocket and you decide to put it in, put it with someone else's stuff to try and keep an eye on them. The AirTag would be able to recognize that it has been separated from its owner and united with a different one. So the moment that happens, when that happens, the um, AirTag will, I believe, start chiming. So what that, what that means is if someone decides to try and track you with an AirTag, um, before long, you'll find out that someone's tried to do that. So I think that that's a useful little thing to have, although if it relies on someone having an iPhone, then that that could work out poorly. The other thing I could where I could see it sort of backfiring, let's say you put one in your wallet or your handbag. Someone takes your and then someone takes your handbag. Now, the AirTag will have just recognized that it's, it will recognize that it's been separated from its owner, but united with a different one. So, I can't remember the exact set of operations that it uses, but, um, so, basically there's one step before it actually starts chiming. So I think it, I think that it notifies the owner, hey, this has been separated from you, before it actually starts um, creating a bell. But I could I could see easily that if someone take takes something with an air tag, and the air tag starts chiming, now let's say someone stole your purse, they hear a little thing chiming from inside to say, hey. I'm not with my owner. Guess what that just did? Now the person who took the thing with the AirTag knows to um, find the AirTag and take it out of there. And of course, if it's making noise, they'll be able to find it quite easily. So I, I, I can see both sides of that. I can see it working out well, and I could also see it backfiring quite um, painfully. So cost-wise, it is 29 bucks for one and then $99 for a four-pack. And if you order them online, you can get them, um, I believe, engraved with basically anything that'll fit on there, and you can even get emojis engraved on them. So, it, it's interesting. So, next, and yes, I am going in order of um, the way Apple announced everything at their event. Apple announced the an upgrade to the Apple TV 4K. So, for starters, instead of operating off of whatever chip that they had previously, the upgraded model will have a, what is it, A12 Bionic chip. 
and that that's supposed to make it a little bit better for a couple of purposes. So to start, they're including 4K HDR um, high frame rate so that when you're doing HDR content, you don't have, uh, you can have as high of a frame rate, I believe, as the original media supports. And they tossed in a new remote, which um, not having experience with the, using the previous one, I can't say whether I'd like it better or worse, but from what I've seen, that there are quite a few people who are happy about the remote upgrade. So, another thing that they tossed in is advanced AirPlay, so that if you have, once again, going back to the iPhone 12s, if you have one of the iPhone 12s that can shoot in the HDR, then you can airplay content that has that's HDR straight to the Apple TV without losing as much of without without having uh, quality stumbles. So, and last little feature that sort of caught my eye is that you can now color grade it if you have an iPhone 12. So utilizing the, I believe, light sensor that they have in the front-facing camera, the, if you put it into color grading mode, you put your iPhone against the TV, where it tells you to, um, with, screen, with the screen facing the screen, and then it's able to figure out what color, how your TV is displaying colors, and then adjust the picture based on that. So, I recognize that there are some people who are not, who aren't thr weren't thrilled about that news, because um, especially with professional color grading tools costing a um, pretty penny, having anyone able to do that sort of makes it a little bit more difficult. Makes it more painful, I guess. But the caveat with that is the color grading would only apply to your Apple TV 4K. So it wouldn't calibrate the monitor or the TV itself. It just calibrates that one little thing. So where, where I'm going with this is that if you spent money on getting a professional color grading tool, um, don't worry, your money is still worthwhile because when you hook up a computer to it, you can still do color grading where the uh, iPhone and TV 4K won't be able to help you out there because it's the it the iPhone just communicates with the uh, Apple TV to inform it on how to adjust. The other thing I I haven't seen this in action or compared it to or seen it compared to a professional color grading tool, but. It would be interesting to see the two side by side, but personally, I think the professional color grading tool is also going to be able to proper or get get a more accurate piece, whereas the iPhone um, color calibration, I think, is only going is going to make the picture better, but it's not going to make it 
um, color perfect, so to speak. It, as nice as it was for Apple to open up with those three things, now is when the event really started getting interesting. So I can't say the podcast piece was expected. I don't, I don't know. Like I said last episode, I'm not necessarily a big fan of looking into the rumors. The AirTags had been rumored for, I think, the last two events at least now, and possibly um, expected for previous ones. And the purple iPhone 12, I don't think, was predicted. But could be wrong. Not worried about it because I'm I'm not one to... I'm not big on the... Ooh, rumors, rumors, rumors. I gotta know what's gonna happen at the event before the event. I, I like the event being a pleasant surprise. So, when Apple announced the um, new iMacs with the M1 chip, that, that was interesting to say the least. So, it was anticipated. I had heard about the possibility of colors being instituted in the IMAX, but I didn't know, um, it, it was, that was once again a rumor. But for some people, I think this is going to be very pleasant. And my only thought on it is that the blueberry is back. So. The iMac is now going to be available in seven colors and not just your um, plain silver and black. So, also to accurately represent the colors, they have two different levels of the iMac. So one starts at uh, $12.99, the other starts at $14.99. And for the lower model, you only have you have available pink, yellow, green, wait, nope, did I have to say pink? Yeah, pink, no, not yellow. It's pink, green, blue, and silver. So you have four colors available if you go down the um, less expensive route. But if you opt for the more expensive one, then you also, you have the full range of, with pink, orange, yellow, and purple added. So as I previously mentioned, the Apple, uh, the new iMacs feature the M1 chip, which has performed pretty, pretty well. So the IO on the back gets a little bit interesting, so um, for those a little bit um, less technically experienced, the basically the ports that are present on the back. So the lower model has two um, USB-C Thunderbolt ports. So they function as USB-C, but they also have Thunderbolt capabilities. The high end, you have a power plug. And the higher version has an additional two USB-C ports on it, as well as 
a feature that I think is pretty interesting. And I am saying that because that, that was a very pleasant surprise because when I first saw that, I said, I was rather irritated because Apple went and removed the, when I was looking at it, I said, they removed the ethernet. And for, for some people, Wi-Fi works out just fine. Um, watching some, watching movies or um, just doing a little bit of schoolwork or doing a little bit of, uh, or doing some work from home things, decent Wi-Fi, you'll be just fine. However, for quite a number of people, Ethernet is a very important um, little thing to have. And I, I do end up falling under the category of needing and wanting Ethernet. Just, be, or just because of a, a few different little advantages it provides. So, what they did with the Ethernet port is rather than, rather than having it in the back of the computer, it's now with the uh, power brick. And yes, there's a power brick now for the iMac. And I'll, I'll, I'll mention my thoughts on that in just a second. But the Ethernet port is now located on the power brick, which allows the one cable that attaches magnetically to the back of the iMac to carry both power and Ethernet. So, interestingly enough, I had, I had my mixed feelings because I... I know right now power and um, power and Ethernet don't always go in the same same sort of sentence, and I do. I, I'm, it's interesting because there is something called power over Ethernet, which means that the Ethernet cable is able to carry power power sufficient of powering up a device. So um, for quite for a lot of VOIP phones, you're able to, or in, a, in an office setting at least, you only need to plug in an Ethernet cable and the Ethernet cable powers up the phone. So I think it probably has something to do with direct current versus alternating current because with the alternating current, or I, I'm, I don't I'm not necessarily 100% sure of all of the scientific interference pieces with it, but I know I made the mistake of routing on my desk a power cable and an ethernet cable right next to one another. And what I found out was that when I changed the amount of power going through the power cable, because that was for a, um, what's the word for it? It was for an outlet strip. When I turned um, something off that was hooked up to the power strip while watching a video, it killed the video stream. And it took it about 15 seconds to render. Or to render. It took it about 15 seconds to get back to the point where I could actually watch stuff. So the reason for that was, I'm thinking, because the amount of alternating current um, running through the 
wire changed enough, it caused interference with the cable next to it. So personally, I'd like to, I don't think the power is going to be changing as much on that. So I, I'm, I'm curious just to see where it'll go. And I'm sure though, if Apple is promoting this, that they have taken that into account and somehow worked with it. So the gigabit ethernet will be available, I believe, if you get the higher model or as an available upgrade if you get the lower model. So the, the other things, the aesthetic things on the piece are that you ha they made the bezels a little bit thinner. So now instead of a 21.5 inch screen, you have a 24 inch screen, which I believe viewable area ends up being 23.5 inches. But my problem is more of the fact that the bezels are white. For some people, the white bezels will work just fine. And some may actually enjoy it over the um, traditional black bezels that are around a screen. But I don't, I'm not as big of a fan on it, on things because, um, especially when you're working with, um, using it, trying to use a screen in the dark. So if you go to a movie theater, you'll notice that basically everything is as dark as possible. And that's for a reason. So if you're, if I'm using the iMac to, let's say, watch a movie in the dark, that white bezel is, would ruin the experience. So another thing that I have mixed feelings on the aesthetic of is the chin that they have on the iMac. So in this particular version, the chin does not have an Apple logo on it. Whereas previous um, iMac and iMac Pro models did. So for me, it's, it turns it instead of a bar to hold the uh, logo on, now it's just an, a bar that's sitting on the bottom of it that really doesn't aesthetically make sense. But obviously th this isn't going to, uh, this is just my opinions on how it looks and whether or not I like it is, is my problem. So I, I guess the short version is if you're not a big fan of it, then I wouldn't necessarily go and uh, pick one up. Lastly, the, uh, the big thing about the new iMac is that it is quite a bit thinner than previous ones. So instead of having the the last major design model that's been carrying over is the thin edges, but um, wider middle. So front of the screen is flat, but the back had an arch to it. So now that sort of bend is gone and it's just a flat, um, flat Mac, so to speak. 
I'm not going to comment on all of the other little things that they talked about with the speakers, um, because they're facing down. That gives you a certain level of um, audio amplification, er, amplifying um, nature. But um, for some people, that'll be nice. La the last thing that I like that they brought to the um, new IMAX is that, that you have the capability of, or you have the 1080p um, webcam. So for a while now, the uh, webcam has been at 720 pixels, but I mean, most, if you want really good audio quality, or, audio quality. If you want really good video quality, then you'd best record, you'd best have the thing in 1080 pixels at the minimum. At, so I, I can understand not necessarily wanting to raise it above 1080, depending on what you're recording or what you're doing. But still, having 1080 should have, should have been a minimum a while ago. It's not something new that's coming to webcams. I've had a 1080p webcam now for quite a bit. And it, it's come in handy more often than you might think. But that's where we are. Now... If your concern with getting the new IMAX is that you wouldn't have a color matching uh, keyboard or mouse, well, spoiler alert, they exist. So Apple refreshed the Magic Keyboard and Mouse to feature the same sort of subdued colors that are on the front and base of the iMac. So. Basically, the uh, subdued pieces having a hint of the color that's um, very prominent on the back. And to the to the uh, Magic um, Keyboard's credit, they have brought in Touch ID, so it's able to securely communicate with the iMac to convey your fingerprint in a safe way. Now, not sure 100% as to how they process the fingerprint, but it should be done securely, even though it is wireless. Last but not least, the Magic Mouse still charges from the bottom. And personally, I have heard of a lot of people go or a lot of people go and knock that design quite often. But personally, I think it's actually a reasonable thing to do. Almost everybody knocks the uh, magic mask for charging from the bottom. And for those of you who don't know, before the Magic Mouse charged from the bottom, the which is the Magic Mouse 2, the first Magic Mouse, which I actually have, is it has um, user-replaceable batteries on the bottom. 
So I put rechargeable batteries in there, works just fine for me. But when they switch to rechargeable batteries, you plug in a little lightning cord on the bottom of the mouse to charge your, or to charge the thing up. So I'm going, I, I have to actually defend Apple on their choice to do this because it logically does make sense. So the top of the magic mouse is basically a smooth piece of glass. Whether or not it is actually a glass, I'm not 100% sure, but you get, you get the idea. So having that there and having the um, gestures that you can use on the magic mouse, I think it would actually ruin the look if you put a charging port on the front or the back of it to be able to charge it while using it. The whole point with putting it on the bottom is to keep that seamless look, but also guess when you can charge your mouse overnight. Now I know charging things all the way to 100 and then all the way down isn't necessarily a good thing and you can use, if you want to avoid doing something like that overnight then there are ways to go about um, minimizing the charging that you're doing. So for, for my devices, I use a little, I use a uh, um, wall timer so that it, it turns the outlet on for, or turns the thing on and charges the device for about two hours and then shuts it off until the um, next morning. So that it char it gives the device some juice, but it doesn't charge it all the way. So similar with that, if you have the magic mouse, just charge it when you know you're not going to use it for a while. Makes it, it makes life easy. You, that way you don't have to worry about and keep it, keep an eye on the battery life. Same way you keep an eye on your phone's battery life. The thing usually warns you when it's uh, getting a little bit lower. It'll say, Hey, the battery's below 20%. You might want to think about charging it. And 20, I, having some of these devices, 20% battery life still means I have a decent amount of life left in it. But once again, here we are. So if you, if you do get the magic mouse, that's just my suggestion. Yes, it charges from the bottom, but all you need to do, do it when, when you're going down, let's say you're going to sit down for dinner, charge it for an hour. So when you come back from dinner, you have some juice, it's not all the way, works out perfectly. Now, last and definitely not least, the new iPad Pros. So Apple actually had a very interesting way of um, showing it. And it, I, I will admit it had me on the edge of my seat when they were doing that. The, mo the moment I saw it, I said, you, I, I, I was um, in sort of an utter state of utter disbelief. But 
the M1 chip that has heavily impacted the performance that you're able to get out of a Mac is now in an iPad Pro. I think that's just amazing. So, the base features of the iPad Pro haven't necessarily changed. So, on the 11 inch, it still has the liquid retina display and all of that fun stuff. But with the M1 chip, now both models are able to have Thunderbolt. Um, both models are able to get up to 5G if you get the cellular option and um, you can get up to two terabytes of storage in the iPad. But if you opt for the 12.9 inch um, iPad Pro, then you get a couple of cute little features added. And I think what was most notable for me is the liquid um, Retina XDR display. So Apple's $6,000 sort of monitor is has some of their technologies now existent in the iPad. So you're not capped at using them only if you can afford a $6,000 monitor and the $1,000 stand to put it on. You would have to go and you can now get it for basically $1,100 on the iPad Pro. And I think that I think that's really amazing. So personally, I think I think the iPad Pro is definitely getting along there, but it it's now bringing up a big sort of issue. And I think Apple's kicking the can down the road as much as they can right now, but whenever. Whenever you kick a can down the road, event you'll eventually uh, need to pick the thing up. Or someone else might run past you and pick it up. Or, in this particular case, other companies have already picked up the can. So, Mac notably does not have touchscreen. iPad now has, or iPad, which has had touchscreen, now has basically Mac capabilities in it. And it is limited based on the operating system. So I think Apple is going to need to figure out something to do to change the way they're operating the iMac. Did I just say iMac? Change the way they're operating the iPad. Because yes, it has more processing capability. Yes, it has a Thunderbolt port on it, but it is a pain in the neck to use with um, some of the other features. So yes, you can use a mouse, but the I've used a mouse with an iPad before. It does have its bugs. It's not as nice as I'd like it to be, and they don't give me the option to change that. So... Right now, I have my outline on a laptop that has a touch screen. So the iPad, right now the iPad Pro, especially if you get the uh, floating keyboard for it, is basically a touch screen MacBook. 
it has the it has the horsepower of it. It has horsepower that you're putting in desktop computers. It has touch capability. It, you can use it with the Apple Pencil. You ha can has if you get the Folio, you have a backlit keyboard, and you have a trackpad. Those are all features that you can get. Almost all features that you can get on a MacBook Air. So you can get all the capabilities of an Air or, a, or of a MacBook Air, except with the touchscreen. But it's still capped at iPad OS. Yes, iPad OS is more capable than iOS, and yes, I'm very glad that they made that sort of separation. But I think they need to go and take it a step further and either really soup up iPad OS or just make a make a version of Mac OS that works on the iPad. So where they're going to go with this, I don't know, but they're going to need to face that sooner or later because now they basically have a touchscreen laptop. The problem is it's your your software capped on it. So, with all of that being said, I was very glad about quite a few of the things that Apple announced. It's it's made me excited for the future, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where everything ends up going. Hopefully, um, later in the year, they'll be able to fix some of the I.O. limitations that exist with the M1, and they'll be able to maybe bring out an even higher-grade chip because um, let's just say that professionals... You already have a pretty professional chip. If you're going to try and sell something that's a little bit more pro-grade, you're going to need to upgrade it. I think they have something in the works because space gray wasn't an option for the iMac colors. And personally, space gray is something I really like. So I think that they may actually have another sort of iMac Pro or similar in the works. But where, where that'll end up going, I've yet to find out. So with all that being said, I'm kind of happy that the blueberry's back, I guess. That's the only color of iMac that I could actually see myself getting of the line. But I still wouldn't be able to get over the white bezels. And I personally, it'll be interesting to see how people end up taking these taking to these new products. And as per usual, just opens up different innovations for uh, Apple. It's it's a glance at what the future might have in store, and it's something to really look forward to. So, if you enjoyed this episode of Charles Weekly Party, um, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss uh, future episodes. And next week we'll be back talking about architecture and technology, which I'm really looking forward to. And if you want to go to anchor.fm slash charlesweeklyparty. You can see all episodes as well as um, pick up the link to your favorite podcast platform. You can interact with the podcast by leaving a voice message or you can support the podcast. 
Also, if you enjoyed, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts if that's the platform you're using to listen to it. And if you'd like to actually see me deliver my weekly party, you can watch the action on YouTube. And spoiler alert, last week's, um, or the ep- episode 2108 was done in 4K. Sitting down here again, I've realized that once again, I've shot the episode in um, 4K resolution, but because of render time, um, I'm going to be cutting it down to a uh, down to simply 1080p. So, if you want to see an episode of Charles Weekly Part T in 4K, um, that was last week's episode, and maybe if there's demand for it, I can shoot future episodes in 4K. But Until next time, I'm going to be taking off and seeing where my colorful party gets me this week. So I know it's springtime, you have IMAX with spring colors, and now you have a purple iPhone to match your lilacs. So take care, have a good week, and roll the outro. (laughs) 